Thanks so much to Pod Plays Podcast, bringing great stories, epic songs, audio dramas that are a movie for your ears. Within each story, you'll discover new and original music by Nashville's top hit songwriters. Visit podplays.com to find the stories, the app, and links to follow Pod Plays on all your favorite social media sites. Y'all ready? Oh, Buddy said he's been ready before he even got here. <laughs> George Jones said he's been ready since 56. <laughs> That's what he always says. Really? Ready, George? I've been ready since 56. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> this is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from, where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He's an Academy of Country Music Award-winning producer. He's written songs for George Strait, Billy Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus, and Mel Tillis, just to name a few. And he's produced albums for people you may have heard of, like Reba McIntyre, George Jones, and Merle Haggard. He's the only producer of Kenny Ches- Chesney. You know, it finished it. It's put. <laughs> I know it's Kenny Chesney, and it finished it. Uh, auto-corrected it to Chester. Oh, Kenny Chester. <laughs> He's the only person. Oh, man. I didn't know you did Kenny Chester. You do well, Kenny Chester. Well, it's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Chester. And I... <laughs> Kenny Chester. That's great. I'm leaving that in, too. And uh, that alone is a pretty huge thing just in itself. Welcome to the show, Buddy Cannon. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, a little bit of a correction. Uh Barry Beckett did two records on Kenny before I came on on the board. We don't we don't care that. about that. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't we, on the show. Yeah, we don't care yeah. about that. You, you just never know when the truth police may be around. Work, <laughs> work. Have you read 1983? No. What what year? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have when you talk about the truth police. Oh, I don't know. That came from uh, that book. Oh, anyway, really? we start every show with a fast five. We ask you five quick questions and. We asked for five quick answers, but we never get them. Consider them all answered. (laughs) Well, we're going to ask them anyway. Here we go. What's the largest animal you think you can beat up with your bare hands? An ant. (laughs) Golly. Man. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Not a cat. I don't know if I answer that. I hate cats. (laughs) Me too. I don't like cats. I would would try a cat if I knew he didn't have any claws. Yeah. Well, now, buddy, that's an unfair advantage. Well, you hear that, Peter? That's a cat. <laughs> you hear a, that, Peter? That's a cat. Tough luck. <laughs> What's the most useless talent that you have? Um, be, being able to not juggle. That's your. That's a good Man. talent. Yeah. Yeah, I have that same talent. Yeah. We're kindred in that, <laughs> Chris. What's your most useless talent? My useless talent. Yeah. Great hair. Boy, you're right about that. That is useless. It's a blessing and a curse, that is Marty. Useless. What are you going to do when it's gone? I don't know. Comb over. <laughs> he'll always, <laughs> he said he'll always have the hair on the back. <laughs> yeah. Bald on top, 
hair in the back, long down to his butt. Called um, a skullet. What's the weirdest skullet. thing you've ever seen in someone else's home? Um, gosh, I don't know if I've ever been in anybody else's home. You should get out. Don't let you in, do they? Yeah, no. You've never been in anybody else's home. Man. No. That's sad. <laughs> I don't remember well either. You should get you should get friends. Yeah. Maybe. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, just any time if you want to break your, your streak of zero homes being in, come to the house. <laughs> I remember being at somebody's house one time and they had a some sort of a weird mannequin. Now see. But, but like, wow. no wonder you blocked it from your memory. Yeah, All the people's right. houses. I know so one I you might have been in that I, that I was been in. What? John Rich's. No, I never been John Rich's house. Oh, you never have? No, he, that, he, that would be weird enough. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing, John Rich? <laughs> the weirdest thing you yeah, ever saw. Yeah, that's it. He don't have anything John in there. It's Rich. just him. <laughs> no, he actually has. He has a. Uh, he has a a nightclub in his house, and he what? has. He has. Yeah, he has a nightclub with an elevator down to the nightclub, and <laughs> in the nightclub. No, that's not the weird part. That's does it not? Because no, it sounds very, no, very no. weird. The weird part is, is he has you know the disco balls with, with the laser and the, he yep. has a disco ball except it's a saddle, and it's it's a saddle a a real size saddle with little mirrors all over it like a disco ball and that's his disco ball a a rotating saddle disco no, saddle no horse. No horse, yeah. Mm. No, he saves a horse. He, he saved a horse. And he yeah, rode a, cl- rode a cowboy. He rides cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, saves horses. Man, it, it just Ooh, got John weird. John is weird. <laughs> it just got weird in here. I see my hey. buddy never went to his house. <laughs> yeah. John, I know you're listening. We still want you on the show. Yeah, we do. Really bad now because you're weird. <laughs> um, what's your life's theme song? My life's theme song? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um White Lightning. Oh, man. Oh, wow. He was a moonshine guy. Lightning. He was I, in that moonshine. I drank some. I drank. If somebody says that, you know, they'd be. They, they'd be <laughs> way back. Way back. Way back. When you would like, how how messed up have you been in your life? Like, have you been meant, have you been George Jones riding the mower to the liquor store messed up? Except I couldn't find my mower. Mm. <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, wow. We have your wife here. Maybe I should ask her. How yeah. That. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. She's got the stories. Yeah. On a scale from one to ten, now pay attention. On a scale from one to ten, what's your favorite color? Um, clear. I like that. <laughs> he likes to be able to see. Yeah. I like that. I like the great answer. <laughs> great answer. Clear. What's your on a scale from one to ten? What's your favorite color? <laughs> on a scale from one to ten? Yeah. Too blue. Too blue. I'm, I got a song. Is that an emotion or an actual color? Yes. It sounds like, it sounds like an emotion. <laughs> yes, I, it is. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I got a song called Too Bluesy for Country. I see. Yeah. So I know you're a big fan of that now because you. I am. You just said Too I blue. really am. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate that shout out. Can I put that song on hold? Sure. For, Are you, you, for you to cut? Yeah, it's, I'm gonna put. Oh well, well I'm gonna, gonna put it. I'm not gonna put it on all the way. Hold. You, you I'm gonna put it on. You put tell it on, me you cut it. it ain't I'm gonna, gonna put it on fondle. Okay, not hold. I'm I love just those. Put it on fondle. Yeah, I love it. Speaking of music, you grew up listening to rock, not country, right? Uh, I grew up listening to everything. Uh, my uncle uh, was a really good musician, and 
he lived up street up the road from us and he had a he had a one of these big stereo cabinet things you know and and he had a lot of old 78s i used to go up there after school every day and uh i'd sit back there i'd get on the floor right in front of that record player and he had bob wills uh the mcguire sisters bill monroe i mean everything you know so right. i i listened to that and then you know when um when uh rockabilly stuff started happening out of memphis that that was you know it was if you listen to the radio that's what you heard you know jerry lee and johnny cash and you know all that stuff coming out of memphis i was raised up halfway between here and memphis so i'm from memphis yeah he's are from you memphis. Yeah. yeah i'm from lexington tennessee which is 20 miles east of jackson hmm yeah you saw about bartlett earlier i'm that's where i used to live that's where i moved oh, okay. from yep just actually two years ago moved here from bartlett you who was your favorite rockabilly artist Probably Carl Perkins, you know, yeah. and Carl lived from where I lived. Carl was lived about 20 miles away, and I never really, uh, that didn't register to me that one of my heroes was just down the street, right. you know. So I never met Carl until I was probably 35 years old when I was writing and uh, working for Mel Tillis. Mel and Carl were pals, and you know I met Carl would come in, hang out a lot. So, did Mel Tillis have his own label? Like, no, no, he had a publishing company. I had an album on my wall it, years ago. I, I made a studio in in my shop, and I put records all over the wall, just nailed them to the wall. Yeah, that I got from Goodwill. wasn't records I was fond of or nothing, but. <laughs> I'm not saying I wasn't fond of all of them. But I'm saying it was just a bunch of records that I could get from Goodwill to as decoration. And one of them was Mel Tillis, and it had a Playboy bunny on on the. So I always thought, oh yeah, oh, I wonder if that was his label because I'd never heard of Playboy. Was that was that a record label? Well, there was a record label named Playboy, but are you talking about the one where Mel was on the cover with the with the girl? No, I just had the the actual record, not the not the sleeve. The record, when the oh, center of the record, there was a Playboy bunny, and it said Mel Tillis. Huh. I'm not sure what that would have been. But there was Playboy Records. That was a, that yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. And he wasn't. He wasn't no, attached. He, he was never on Playboy Records. Well, maybe it wasn't Mel Tillis that I saw on that thing. But could have been. Can uh, we just say that he owned Playboy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's do that That'd again. Be fine. Yeah. Mel, Mel, Tillis Mel would love Playboy? that actually. Does Mel Tillis own Playboy Records? He does, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Stop and I thought that Merrill. was the case. I'm yeah. uh, glad to confirm it here 100% with Buddy Cannon. <laughs> yeah. Confirming. Con con uh, Illuminati confirmed. Yes. Yeah. Right here. That's why I signed with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playboys only. Man. Yeah. You know who we need on the Playboy Records? Buddy Cannon. Buddy Cannon. Yeah. yeah. I can see me. that. Yeah. Sorry, ma'am. What is that? It's purely business. What's your, what's your beautiful wife's name? Billy. 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 Yep. Sorry, Billy. Sorry. We know you, you tied down the Playboy over here. <laughs> You're not with the Playboy records anymore then. Oh, no. You know, I moved on. Moved yeah. on. So you were, but for years, you, you didn't, you didn't listen to 
when you got into rockabilly and whatnot, you didn't listen to country music at that time? No, I always listened to everything. Did you? Yeah. Always? Yeah. Okay. What? So then when you started getting into music, did you play for a band that was country or was it rock? Well, my, the uncle that I was talking about, his name is Dalton Tate, and he, uh, he played uh, – on a Saturday morning radio show with a bunch of guys, local guys, you know, and but they were real good. They were like, uh, they were not your typical weekend-sounding band, you know. They they all were excellent, and and my uncle started taking me up to the radio station with him when they would tape their show, and uh, they let me sing every every saturday you know so that's really or wdxl radio in lexington you know what'd you sing oh I'd, country yeah yeah they they were uh, like a bluegrass kind of instrumentation they had a dobro and a banjo and wow my uncle played bass or guitar and at that time i wasn't really i hadn't learned how to play good enough they just right, let me right. sing you know but then when I started learning how to play guitar, I, you know, as I learned, uh, I ended up playing in, in a rock and roll band in, in high school. What was the name of it? The, the Lin- Bloody Cannons? The Lindells. The Lindells. And, you know, I guess that was my mom's name, Linda Rhodes. I saw that. Oh, okay. And, and I guess we just said, hey, let's call it that. You know, so. one of your uh, one of the uh, actually the sweetest videos that I've ever seen in my life. I just watched last night was when you showed your mama that Willie Nelson cut one of her songs, and she when she broke up at the end, I was about in tears. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Willie loves her. He loved her harmonica playing. You know, he yeah. He uh, talked to her a couple times on the phone, you know, and he every time he'd, he'd tell her, hey, now I'm saving you a bunk on the bus whenever you want to go. It's there. <laughs> That's awesome. And, she uh, seemed like a sweet lady, man. Yeah, she wrote this song. She had, she only came to visit visit us in our house where we live now one time, you know. And on the way back to her house, her arthritis was wearing her out, you know, and she she did she she wanted to be telepathically taken to her house from my house and not have to go through the drive. Right, right. You know? So she wrote this song about her little house on the hill, and uh, years and years later, probably twelve, fifteen years later, she showed me some of her songs, and that was one of them. And I said. This is good, you know. So I I made a little guitar vocal of her song, and I emailed it down to Willie. We were working on a record, and he got right back. He said, let's cut this. I like this. So she awesome. got her first song recorded when she was 92. <laughs> you know? Wow. Never that's say awesome. never. That's yeah, awesome. That's right. And by Willie Nelson. Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. And it's a good song, too. Yeah, I thought it was about heaven though. Is it? It ain't about heaven. It's about her house, you know, her little house. It's about her house. Yeah, seemed like it was about heaven when because it. Well, it was kind of the same thing to her. Right. Right. So at one point she said, "That's where I'm going in the video," and I thought, 
I guess she wrote that about heaven, but nonetheless, yes, yes, she just went home. She I just, just went, went to the house. Home, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your first break when you was it? It was songwriting, right? That's how you broke in. Oh uh, well, you know, uh, Billy and her family. We started dating in high school, and uh, after after I graduated, they moved to Chicago, and. Uh, I followed them to Chicago and stayed up there and, and uh, found a gig, you know, with a band. Um, met a lot of Nashville people passing through the clubs that we were playing in up there. And uh, I moved, decided to move down here in 72 and um, got a gig first or second day I was here with a guy named Bob Lumen, who was a... He was a Grand Ole Opry star at the time. That was in 72. And I played on the road with him for about three and a half years and uh, left and took a job at a club in a house band here in town. And um, uh, in the meantime, I'd started messing around writing songs, you know, just not not really thinking I was that was going to be what I ended up doing. Right, you know? right just riding to have something to do while we're riding the bus and uh and a demo uh the guy that i was writing those songs with we went in to fred carter's studio out in goodlesville and did a demo and uh, another guy that i had met in chicago had gone to work for mel tillis and his publishing company and I played my demo for him. This guy's name is Jimmy Darrell. And um, and he played it for Mel. And the next thing I know, Mel's calling me on the phone telling me he just cut one of my songs. And he, this was like at 10 o'clock at night. And he said, get down here. We're listening. We're drinking beer and listening to what we did today. So That's awesome. So I went down to Mel's office about 10 o'clock at night and stayed there until the sun came up, you know. Did you take some white lightning down there with you? I think there was plenty. Was there plenty of white lightning? <laughs> there already yeah. There, yeah. You didn't have to bring uh, anything when you was around Mel. But, uh, but that one night he had cut one of my songs and the next, next day he had another three-hour session um and he did three more of the songs on my demo all three songs he cut that second day were mine what were they um one of them was called the first one was a song i wrote with gene dunlap we wrote it about playing at the golden nugget in vegas there's a lot of unique things around doing a gig in that place right right and uh Mel had some of the things we wrote about in that song, like for instance, they had a their their stage curtain was on a timer, and if you if your show is supposed to start at nine o'clock, that curtain comes up no matter if Whether you're there or no not. No matter if yeah. you're at Caesar's <laughs> Palace or for what, and you know when when the show's over at uh, ten o'clock. That curtain comes down, and you even know, if you're not done, even if you're not done, Man. no matter what you're doing. And like, so anyway, uh, that I, I hope happened. you guys like people just keep playing. And that, the curtain's you know, down. that that's kind of what that song was about. And 
How's it go? Uh, and Mel had had that happen to him because <laughs> in the middle down. of his jokes, you know, Mel started telling jokes. You didn't. Right, right. You didn't. The clock was irrelevant. You know. <laughs> so he, uh, uh, he, he, he just heard the story that he'd lived through. You know. So that was the first song, and then uh, there was one called "Everyone Needs Someone to Talk To." What's a what's a couple of lines from that Golden Nugget song? It's uh, let's see, from the heart of Morgan City to the bank of the Rio Grande, I walk soft, talk soft, been proud and got loud, shook everybody's hand, made it to the daylight, bright night lights at the Nugget front and my own show. From two to late, I was number one bait to pack the Golden Nugget Gambling Casino. <laughs> I like it. And then uh-huh. the, the next part talks about the curtain going up on the guy and all that stuff. <laughs> you know? Did you talk in the song about the curtain going down on the guy while he's still singing? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember which way the curtain that's, was going. That's almost like the, that's like the the hook. Like yeah. The curtain goes down, and nope, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and Mel couldn't, you know, I mean, he stuttered, you know. It, right, he, right, yeah. <laughs> he, he had no control over how long a sentence was going to take. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's no time limit on the sentence. No. no. Did it, so he, he actually, I, I heard that, but was it actually a noticeable stutter? Oh, with Mel yeah. Tillis? Yeah. But he didn't he sang good though. He, it was just a rhythm thing. He could stand in front of you and 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 say anything as if he had an internal rhythm clock going. You know, he could stand there and pat his foot in rhythm and talk in rhythm all day. But when he tried to talk without that rhythm, you know, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was interesting and funny. Yeah, you know he. Hey, y'all just laughed at him, huh? Oh yeah, the whole, the whole world laughed at him. You know, Poor and, and you know, I mean, that was his his whole the comedy aspect of his career, which was a big part of his whole right, thing. Right, right. You know, I mean, that was uh, based on that on the stutter, you know, and yeah, some people uh, thought he was making fun of of uh people with a handicap but he that was the opposite because he was he did everything he could to draw attention to the plight of handicapped people right 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 well he apparently he was a handicap with the stutter i guess yeah yeah he was but he he learned how to you know he never let it get him down but he was obsessed with overcoming it at the same time you know really oh yeah he was always bringing in uh a a magazine article or something that he had just seen on an airplane about how to overcome. I remember he he saw this one thing advertised and, and it was some kind of a a little recording device or he had to put headphones on and and when he turned that thing on it emitted some kind of a sound and he could talk, but his voice got real high pitched. You know, really? that yeah. is crazy. It, it was crazy. it was weird, but it was he was walking around the office doing that and talking without stuttering, but he sounded like Donald Duck. You know, wow. 
That's crazy. Yeah, it was Man. weird. So there's a there was a frequency that it was shoot into his ear hole. Yeah. And it, it caused the, him to speak. Yeah, and not stutter. But, I mean, it was totally not very... Usable. Yeah, not right. usable. Yeah, you, you couldn't have a conversation with that thing going off in your, your head. Yeah. Wow. Did you... Was you always wanting to be an artist or, or a songwriter or producer? Or did oh, you ever want to be an artist? Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to think that's what I was going to do, you know. I'd be out in the yard singing as loud enough you could hear me for two or three miles. Who'd you sing out in the yard? Uh, Hank Williams. Hank Williams Sr. Yeah. What's your favorite Hank Williams Sr. song? All of them. I know you got one. Uh, I like uh, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry, oh, yeah. you know. My favorite by Hank Williams is uh, uh, it's a great song. You've, you might have heard it. It goes... Uh, uh, let me try to remember. You, you say, like Chris, it's unforgettable. It's unforgettable. You'll never forget that song. <laughs> Golly. I tell you what. When, when he starts remember. singing it, you'll say, I remember that one. <laughs> you never you forget it? it. It's my favorite of all time. Oh, man. I, I remember when I heard it. it I said, That's I'll my favorite. I said, I'll never forget this song the rest of my life. The That's problem a, is, I do it. <laughs> I do the song, and I do it different than he does. So I'm trying to remember it so that he'll remember it the way that Hank does it. What's your favorite while well, I think about it? What's your favorite Hank Williams Senior song? I used to play, hey, hey, good looking, what you got cooking? Though I just remembered it when you said that. Your singing brought it out of me. It's the one that goes, uh, see, I do it different. I don't even really know 100% how he does it, but I do it like, uh, I was heading, oh, number nine, heading south for Caroline. Heard that lonesome whistle. I heard that lonesome whistle blow. That's how I do yeah. it. But I, don't, I, I can't remember how he does it. I heard a long, lonesome whistle blow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I've been a, doing it this way so long. He did kind of a yodel thing. Right, and, right. Long, Yeah, something like that. Anyway, that's my favorite one. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that a lot. You a Hank Jr. fan? Yeah. Yeah. The head movement. <laughs> that's kind of what I say, too. When people say, you Hank, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm live on the air, yeah. I'm a fan of everybody. Hank, Hank Williams Jr. is a very important uh, artist, and yeah. you know, in the, in the history of country. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like a lot of his songs, but there's some things that I ain't gonna get into on this show that uh, I don't particularly like about Hank Williams Jr. But I love Hank Senior. Yeah. And uh, Hank the Third is kind of <laughs> strange <laughs> to say the least. But uh, have you heard of? His son, what's what's his other Sam? Mm -mm. Oh man, that kid can sing. Hank really? Junior, Hank's son, Sam. I'm saying Hank Junior's son. Yeah, Sam, Sam, Sam Williams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You look him up. I man. definitely will. Is his name Sam Williams on Sam, as an artist too? Sam Williams. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, buddy, uh, I did an extensive deep dive. Yeah. On Buddy Cannon history. Yeah. Okay. In other words, Which I texted two of your daughters about 30 minutes before this podcast. You need to get better sources. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got I got some things to ask you here. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's see. Do I need to sell their, tell their names by the... No, probably, I'll just go. Probably ought to. <laughs> Marla says, 
one of the things is says uh ask about the story how he started riding with Vern Gosden. How I started riding with Vern. She's in the, a story of how he started riding with Vern is a good one. She said. I think she means riding, not writing, but riding, like riding horses. No. Yeah. Don't listen when did to you him. Start don't riding. even look at him. Horses. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember uh, exactly when we started riding, but uh, the first day I met him, I found out we lived in Kingston Springs. I was a huge Vern fan. I mean, I oh, loved me these, those Electra oh. records he had, and, and uh, but I found out that that Vern had moved into a duplex up the street from us, about I don't know, less than a quarter mile. You know, right? I drove by his place every day, and uh, I found out Vern had just moved in there, and I also had heard that he was getting ready to record for ovation records he was doing a new album and i thought hmm here's my chance <laughs> so i next morning on my way to to into town i just pull over there in front of Vern's duplex and get out and walk up to the door and knock on the door and introduce myself and said uh you know i got you know, write songs for Mel Tillis and all this stuff. And I said, would you mind if I play you some songs? He said, no, son, come on, bring them on. And uh, so I w went on into the office and made up a a tape with, I think I had 10 songs on it, which, <laughs> you know, you don't do that. No. <laughs> but uh, the 10th the song that I put on there, was a song called Dream of Me. And uh, Vern listened to about half of all the songs on the on the tape. And when it got to Dream of Me, he played it over and over, three or four times. And he really? said, man, he said, I gotta have that one, you know. And he said, will you uh, get me a lyric sheet on it? So I, I left and headed into town to, uh, to uh, get him a lyric well when i walked in the back door at the office i was so excited you know and they some uh, jimmy darrell met me at the office uh, and uh, i told him about Vern, you know and loving that song he said we got a problem uh oh i said oh shit, what <laughs> and he told me the day before, the afternoon before, Dwayne Allen with Oak Ridge Boys had called. We we were on real good, you know, they were good friends of ours. Right. We pitched them, got a lot of songs cut. But Dwayne had called and said, we're going on the road tonight. Send us, uh, uh, make us up a tape of some songs. And I'll get somebody to come pick, pick it up. Well, we did. We made him a tape. And one of the songs on there was Dream of, Dream me. of me. And while they called in, Dwayne called in the office and put the song on hold while I was driving from Vern's house to the office oh, to get a lyric sheet. And, you know, trying to do the honorable thing, they put the song on hold first. Well, Vern, I, I went back out there and told him. And Vern said, 
Well, you can just tell Oak Ridge boys to cut the rest of your damn songs. <laughs> you know? And wow. that's, that's the way it started. Wow. But uh, it ended up, uh, both of them loved the song enough that the Oaks cut it, and it was on their album with Elvira. Oh, man. And then Vern cut it, and the record label that he was on, Ovation, it, were going out of business. I mean, this, it was the last record they ever released. Had one promotion guy, a guy named Skip Stevens, and uh, uh, he, worked, he took Vern's single to number seven, I think, or something like that. Mm. And then, then Vern and I started writing. That was a long way to get to that. How long right. before you wrote Set Him Up with Joe? Uh, a few years, probably five years or so. So our, our previous host, as I told you before, was uh, co-host was Jim Vest, who played Steel oh, yeah. for Set Him Up with Joe and uh, all the, I think all Vern guys and stuff. He played, uh, he played on everything after Vern signed with Columbia, which was – chiseled in stone mm -hmm. do you believe me now right set right, him up right. joe all that stuff everything after after uh that jim played on yeah i like him a lot i love that guy he was an integral part of that whole thing i've told him that his steel guitar solo and intro and all that on set him up joe was as big a element in that record as any word right right yeah. yeah it's like a lot of you hear people now doing certain licks that jim created yeah he's he's, he's probably the second most copied steel player you know pete drake and then jim I who did pete think. drake play for everybody george tammy he producer billy sherrill that's who i was talking about earlier it's billy sherrill mm. Not yeah. Buddy, but Billy. Right, right. Cheryl, that that Jim was saying, worked with a label. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was on the head of Columbia. Yeah, that's who it was. So anyway, yeah, we Jim worked. Jim worked a lot for Billy Cheryl. Yeah, that's right. who I was trying to think of earlier because I thought you were the guy he was talking about going into work with working with a label and and Chris was like, no, nah, ain't him, mm -hmm. ain't Buddy. Yeah. Buddy, Buddy hates Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's, Actually, the, that's exactly him. what I said. That's yeah. exactly what verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just relaying messages. Jim, somebody's lying. <laughs> don't, don't kill the messenger. Okay, so I'm supposed to ask you, ask him about Farron Young biting his knee. Yeah, that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> biting his knee. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, I got some here, man. When this man said he drank white lightning, he wasn't lying. Man. Y'all yeah. got wild, huh? I didn't really like white lightning. I, I drank it a little bit. Bite my knee, Farron. <laughs> <laughs> the, that whole deal. When I worked for Mel Tullis, there was a lot of really funny stuff happened, you know. <laughs> that was just part of being around Mel. There was funny stuff around him all the time. But he... uh. This one night, Mel was recording a project with with Farron, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Webb Pierce. Wow! At Tom T. Hall Studio. Man. And so, uh, me and and Jimmy Darrell had ridden out to Tom T.'s place with Mel, 
we get out there and you know it's like six o'clock at night or something and everybody's you know <laughs> getting uh inspired drunk inspired except yeah. except for webb and webb was one of the most notorious party guys ever but he had been in the hospital and had some kind of stomach surgery and he was he couldn't drink right and man fair and young wore him out all night <laughs> i mean it it was it was crazy and uh, didn't get nothing done you know i mean we, we were out there about six hours and really hadn't made any music just everybody was drunk and having a good time you know so uh they decided it was time to call it quits i don't know what time it was probably one o'clock or two two in the morning and Farron was so drunk by that time that that uh, Mel decided he wasn't going to let him drive, you know. So he takes Farron's keys away from him, and all the time Mel's got Farron's keys, Farron's telling everybody nobody's going to tell him what to do or that they can't keep him from driving. I'll drive any. And Farron used a lot of bad language. You right. Know? But so Mel had his keys, and he said, Farron, get in the car. Come on, you're going with us. And Jimmy Darrell sitting in the front with Mel. I'm sitting in the back seat behind Mel, who's driving. Farron's sitting next to me on the passenger side. And he got in the car, and he's still bitching about Mel can't take his keys and all that. And we're, we're moving, you know, and Farron's still... <laughs> This ain't happening. He's like, yeah, this ain't happening says, right now. You ain't getting my keys. Ain't yeah, my keys. Yeah, it was exactly <laughs> that. And uh, Tom T's place was in Brentwood. And I remember distinctly somehow we were coming by 100 Oaks Mall going toward town. And Farron sitting over there with his arms crossed like it's just matter in hell. And, and he said, okay, I'll go with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost, we're almost back to the, to the okay. Hall of Fame. He's okay. I'll go with you guys. Uh, and then he, all he, right, I'll do it. Then he leans over and bit me on my on my knee. He just leaned all the way down. Yeah, head just, on the knee. Head on and the bit knee. Bit your knee. Bit my knee. Did he give you? Did, what did you say? Ouch. <laughs> no, he he said ouch. <laughs> He didn't hurt. It didn't hurt, you know. Yeah, but what, did he give an explanation why he said, "You, I'm gonna bite your knee, boy." No, I was just. Uh, he was mad at Mel, and he couldn't reach him. <laughs> so he's like, "I'm gonna bite his knee." Yeah. You know what I'm mad enough to do? Mad enough to bite a knee? Yeah. <laughs> it was funny, hey, man. That's wow. Bit a knee. Yeah. Okay, so what's another? Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna go to Melanie. Yeah. Melanie says, ask him about tying himself up to a tree in a pen with a bull. Well, <laughs> like I said, I, I grew up out in the country and we didn't have a lot to do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who hasn't I, done that? You know, I, I mean, I don't really remember. I, know much. Has. I don't really remember much about that other than that I've heard it told told a lot you know you heard other people telling your story <laughs> oh, about yeah. you yeah. to you yeah and it's like maybe I, it didn't happen 
maybe it didn't <laughs> but i was outside playing out in the there was a little pasture out beside our house and i don't know how old i was i wasn't 10 i don't think but uh i i was playing cowboys or cowboy i guess cowboy it was was singular (laughs) nobody but me you had uh, to play a cowboy and the indian i guess what happened was i captured myself well, yeah, I mean, and I started getting to that then, already. Then I had a rope. <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. Somehow I had a rope and I tied my hands together. And <laughs> what I assume was loosely. Could you imagine yeah. hearing this this conversation with himself? I'm going to get you. <laughs> I got you, boy. Ah, you ain't got me. You ever, you ever seen that episode of The Office where Dwight is teaching people Kung Fu? lessons and then he's he's trying to do it on everybody and then he's doing all this and then jim says the only person worthy to do to fight you is you because you're the best <laughs> and he so he goes you're right jim starts fighting himself like he's fighting himself <laughs> and he's like you're he said you're so equally matched i don't know how who's gonna win <laughs> and then he goes well jim I always have the element of surprise and he goes and hits himself right in the crotch <laughs> <laughs> just curls to the ground this is buddy cannon i didn't yeah. know they got that story from buddy man cannon. yeah like, they must have but but anyway i was there and in whatever condition i was in and i look up and there's this bull that looks like a monster walking right toward me you know and uh i guess i started screaming and yelling oh, yeah. and too. my mom heard me and she my mom had a you know she was young back then and she had a uh a full you know dress you know right skirt or something and she she grabbed a butcher knife and took off running across the yard and she jumped the barbed wire fence and got over there to where i was and the old bull it was a pear tree i was by a pear tree, an old bull just came up there to eat. You know? <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't even in. He totally ignored it. Like, oh, I didn't you know? even see you here. But he's screaming the bull's like, <laughs> yeah, you're weird, the- dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw you tie yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> just so we're clear. <laughs> you know, I read, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, Willie Nelson put out a, another biography. And uh, there was a story in there I hadn't heard where he did a similar thing when he was a kid. <laughs> He had this this uh, calf that he was trying to ride, and he couldn't stay on it. So he had the bright idea to tie himself to the calf. And oh, wow! And he hmm. did that, and uh, it didn't turn out too well, you know. But I told him, I said, we never need to be on the same uh, ranching team. <laughs> no, no, you never see the the buddy and Willie roping no duo. no we'll never have a rodeo <laughs> yeah, be like spinning the rope and they get around themselves even <laughs> willie nelson well i'm watching i know uh, i know in the middle of uh, every episode buddy we do a, a segment called why would they do that yeah and well, we get the guest opinion on why they think they would do that yeah. so this one is blend beer barbecue and burning rubber and mix that with flaming passion outside a fiery car crash. And you'll have none other than your own collection of NASCAR romance novels. 
Wow. <laughs> this is a real thing. Show him the picture, Ben. Pull the picture up right there. This is a real book series. NASCAR romance <laughs> novels. Yes, sir. NASCAR romance. Buddy, you have those, don't you? There must be a song in there. <laughs> There's got to be. Yeah. Buddy is... I think Man. it says Buddy Cannon on one of the bottom <laughs> one of those right there. Uh, well, that... Son of a gun. You wrote some of that, didn't you? I guess I did. I think the story about you roping yourself is in one of those. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a theme of the whole yeah. series. <laughs> yeah. Buddy ropes himself oh, again. Oh, it could huh? be. You know. Man. I thought when you were talking about that story, you were a child, but now it sounds like you were actually grown. No, I was uh, nine years old or 10 or something. Oh, because when you said whatever state I was in, it sounded like you was alluding to you were drunk. Well, no, I hadn't. You didn't drink at nine, did I you? I hadn't got drunk at nine yet. You hadn't yet? What, what age did you get drunk? <laughs> 10? 16 or so. <laughs> like, I just learned how to do it in, at 10. Yeah. Too early. <laughs> Too early, yeah. Okay, so here's another one. This is, uh, this is also from Melanie. Tell her to shut up. Melanie, <laughs> shut up. No, I didn't say that. He, he said that. Don't get mad at no, me. No, you said that. <laughs> She's going to come after me. Mel Melanie's tough. Okay, so ask him about the scar from a fight he got into one time. Oh, yeah. I used to tell the kids that I, uh, we played baseball in my front yard, uh, the house where we lived. And there's, a, there's, there's not much of a story there. <laughs> there's a barbed wire fence. And third base was a post on that barbed wire fence. And, oh. Uh, I guess I hit a triple. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Because uh, I ran into that barbed wire fence and cut a big old gash across my chest. And I used to tell all the kids that I got got that in the Indian fight. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have told us that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The story was boring. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, like I said, you got to get great story. You got to get better sources. Yeah, uh, yeah I know we need better sources, <laughs> buddy. We're gonna redo this now, and you tell us about the fight with the Indian, <laughs> and then we're gonna cut out the last part where you fought a fence post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any more on there, Chris? There's one more. Let's get the last one. Okay, in. last one. Or well, Tommy left Frank Dykus having a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Tommy left Frank Dykus. No, the time he left oh, the, Frank Dykus in a parking lot having a heart attack. Who's Frank Dykus, first of all? Is that somebody I should know? Frank Dykus is the songwriter. He's passed away now, but he right. uh, he wrote uh, a bunch of those George Strait songs with Dean Dillon. Unwound, oh. Marina Del Rey, okay. a bunch of that stuff. And you left him in a parking lot to die. <laughs> yeah, Frank and I were out practicing drinking one night. We were practicing. Right. You weren't really doing it, but no. you were practicing. We were I practicing. We were we had we were just about doing it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> almost. almost there. <laughs> you and almost learned. We'd been out, I don't know, all night. Then uh, Frank had left his car parked down down at our office, and I was driving. Uh, smart. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know what all we were doing, but it it was early in the morning and time to go home and i took frank back to pick his truck up pulled in there and i said well frank we're here <laughs> and he just kind of sat there and i i said you all right he said man i don't i'm not feeling good and i said well what's the matter he said i think i might be having a heart attack 
And I said, well, okay, Frank, I'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was was kind of jacked up a little bit, you know. (laughs) You're a great friend, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. And anyway, Frank Frank, uh, gets out of his car rather slowly. None of this registered on me until later, you know. <laughs> slowly. Hey, well, Frank's crawling to his car. Frank got in his car and I backed out and left. And Frank drove himself to the emergency room over at Baptist Hospital. And he was having a heart attack. Well, would you just? She, she was saying that she thought that you might, you know, you're like, I. I don't want to ride right now. I don't want to stay and ride or anything. I want to I want to go home. Uh, she just made that stuff up. She's I just guess. making it. See, Marla, I don't you made it that. up. I don't remember that. Not a good source. <laughs> but I, anyway, I left. That's Dicus. a good one. I left Dicus okay. A heart oh, attack. you have a heart attack? Okay. okay. Well, we'll see you later, <laughs> <Let's> maybe. <see. laughs> I don't know if we will or not. You might die, but we'll, we'll but, see. Uh, hey, Make you some know, traction with me. <laughs> We, we laughed about that for years. I, oh, it's a good thing Dicus, you got to laugh about Dicus it, buddy. too, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that you actually got to. Man. I know. Imagine if Frank would have just died in the car yeah. you know, that day. I would have probably got put in jail for murder. For just walking mm. off. I don't know if you can get put in jail for walking off. Yeah, <laughs> they actually call, they have a name for it. It's uh, 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 Leaving. They call it leaving. Yeah, leaving. I think it's negligence or something. You are neg- You are. You are. I first- wasn't negligent. Hell, I was high. You're. <laughs> you're a first degree leaver, buddy. <laughs> and we're gonna bring you on charges for first degree leaving. Uh, how many records have you produced? I don't know. Give me a number. Uh, make it up. I don't know. Thousand fifty. <laughs> I don't care what the number is. Just make it up, buddy. Uh, One million. I'd say. Maybe, I don't know, 50, 75, maybe more. I don't know. I was thinking more. But be. that's a lot. How did you get into it? Like, how did you shift from songwriting to producing? Uh, doing demos, you know. Once I started writing over there for Mel, he kind of just let me do whatever I wanted to, you right. know, as far as studio goes. And, uh, uh, but I've I learned doing demos that i really that's what i wanted to do you know i I always wanted to write songs but but i just got uh got addicted to being in studio you like authority i think that's what it is yeah yeah i like to be the boss (laughs) yeah you like to you like to have see someone having a heart attack and just be able to walk away from it (laughs) no thank you you. I don't uh, want to see it. I don't body. need to be part of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't need nothing. I got to produce things. <laughs> so, um, walk me through what a producer actually does. Well, you so, walk into a studio. I'm gonna give you a scenario. Bro, there's a lot that happens before you right. walk into the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, uh, then I'm gonna give you another scenario. Then yeah. <laughs> you walk into a home which you of someone else's home, which is not often for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You walk into a Starbucks because you don't go in people's houses, <laughs> and somebody says, "I want you to produce my my album." First of all, would you produce anybody's album other than Kenny Chester? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if if it's if the artist is good, if there's good songs, and you know, if it feels right. Uh, right. I don't I don't want to make a record on somebody. And who who has 
10 songs they wrote that they think are the greatest that are really the shittiest, you know? Yeah. Have you ever told somebody that? Uh, I've told them I didn't like their song. I've told Chris. Oh yeah. I've told my, my favorite, my favorite is <laughs> I just can't make myself like this one. <laughs> Did I say that, that's that? my favorite. That's my favorite oh, buddy cannon that's great. rejection. That's I just, a, I can't make myself like and it. And that's what I would expect from a man who walks away from somebody having a heart attack. <laughs> Right what? there. You would expect that. I just can't make myself like it. I can't this. make myself like it. What song was that? Huh? What song was that? Don't believe it. Was, it's, called, it's called Song to Be Proud of. It went number one. No, yeah. 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 I'm trying to hurt it. Well, how did uh, I don't remember how we got Don't Blink. What's the story well, there? You know what? There's there's actually a story that I I heard back tell, then. Tell the good story. Well, um, First, when we when we wrote "Don't Blink," it was um, we said Kenny from the start. We were like, "This is Kenny," and everybody that we talked to, from the publishing company to the label, everybody said, we're, "We don't want any ballads, no ballads." And um, so, you know, we're like, oh man. They're like, well, you know, such and such is cutting in a couple of two or three weeks, and we, we really, really like this song. We think it might be good for them. And and both me and Casey Bethard were just like deflated because we were like, we we literally, you know, and we hardly ever do this where we're like, man, this even you know when we started it, we we're like, this this sounds like a big Kenny hit. And so, Casey, so everybody told us no ballads. Well, Casey uh, got a meeting with uh, Troy Thomason, mm -hmm. a Sony, and <clears throat> which was his, uh, his publisher. And he said, "I want to play you this song." He, and he goes, "I, I really want to get it to Kenny." And he, well, you know, Kenny's not looking for any ballads. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he goes, "I know, I know, but I, I want you to hear it." And he said he listened to it. He said, "Golly, I and he said, at least need to have a chance to pass on it, you know." So uh, he he I think he called you or he called somebody and he said, uh, "I'm pretty sure it was you," and said, uh, "You know, uh, I want you to hear this song." And you were in the studio. I think it was with. Were you co-producing something? Uh, co-producing a Willie record with Kenny? Yeah. Could have been. We did. I, we did one. Yeah. I think that's what it. That's what I heard is, mm -hmm. is you were co-producing a Willie a Willie record with Kenny. Kenny yeah. produced a <clears throat> Willie Nelson record yeah, with, with Kenny Bunny. and I yeah. did. Yes. So uh, hmm. and that's what I heard. And so anyway, and the, and in uh, he said that he played. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was for you. And the story I got was that. You took one of your own songs off to put Don't Blink on there that you had written. Uh, I don't know about that because I... Yeah, you're like, like, I would have never done that. No. He's like, I don't know about that. Now. Yeah, wait a minute now. Uh, somebody lying. Uh, you get that I, from Marla? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't Buddy Cannon. Man. No. I walk away from you having a heart attack and a heart attack. I mean. I don't, no, I don't think that part actually happened because I was, in all the time I've been recording with Kenny, I've only uh, recorded two songs that I wrote. 
Right. So. Well, I'm going to go ahead and keep telling that keep story. Keep telling that story that, that way. That's, that's a good. So if you ever hear anybody say that. Just say yes. That's exactly what happened. That's yeah. exactly. Okay. We're going to cut it right there. And, and we'll say, change it. And reattach it. Says, we will. He, yeah, okay. We're just, we're just, we just got that one sound bite. That's exactly what happened. That's, That's exactly what happened. It's going to be fitted in a weird spot, but yeah. it's going to be there. It'd be like, you know, <laughs> as soon as That's you finish, exactly what soon happened. Finish, be like, That's exactly what happened. So what happened? <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, that's, that's what I'd heard and it, and it ended up getting, getting cut. And, um, I ha- also had got a little crazy last night on, on the song. Oh, yeah. Album. yeah. <clears throat> but do you even remember the song? Don't blink. Does it, does it ring any bells? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, huh. yeah I, I do remember. It's a great song. It is a great song. song. One of the best. I love it. Wish I'd have wrote it. You know, Renee Bell was, uh. A and R over, over at RCA. Oh yeah, I remember Renee. And she was a champion of songwriters, really, you know. But she, uh, there's a line in that, and don't blink about uh, the guy looks up from his old pipe. Mm-hmm. And Renee uh, called me up one day after that song was an obvious hit. You know, it was still climbing up. She said, uh, "Buddy," she said. Uh, don't blink is doing great she said there's a line in there that i just do not understand what what they mean and i said what and she said it's the line uh oh the the guy looked up from his oat pipe his oat pipe his oat pipe (laughs) (laughs) i've always loved oat pipe oat pipe man smoking (laughs) oats i said said, it doesn't say oat Pipe. It says old pipe. Well, the original was corn cob pipe. Oh, well, that would have rhymed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The original. Uh, he looked up really? from his corn cob pipe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it became oat pipe. And then that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't like corn. No, I, yeah, they oat. like oats. It's more oats. They're yeah. very oaty, oaty <laughs> type of people over there, buddy cannons. I don't yeah. know if you knew this, buddy, but uh, when don't blink went number one uh it, i actually i actually i had the song that it knocked out of number one i had love me if you can by toby keith wow and it and it actually i knocked myself out of number one and uh, i'm trying to think it's of kind of like fighting with yourself like we were talking about <laughs> yeah, I know, he right? tied himself up but in <laughs> yeah, a good way yeah well uh i remember uh God, what was her name at uh was it tko tko label or something with toby Toby's label was it Autumn, Autumn House. Yeah, Autumn. Right? Yeah, is that right? That's Jerry House's daughter. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Autumn. I'm not for sure about that, but I think it was her. She called me. She called me up and she's like, "Hey, I know we thought this love, love me if you can was going to be a multi week number one because they told me that where we really think it's going to be a big multi week thing." I was like, "Man, that'd be awesome." And she goes, "I just want to tell you, uh, it's." This don't blink songs coming up strong, and she, uh, we're only going to be on it for one week. I said, "Oh man, well, you know, I'm just glad to be there for one week." You know, I I never said anything. Yeah. And she called me back two hours later, and I guess she she goes, "You sob." <laughs> she goes, "You wrote don't blink too." You know, you're a reason we're getting knocked off. That's funny. 
Well, you should laugh a little more about it. <laughs> I, I laughed before was, I got here. He like, yeah, he, he did all his laughing you before he got here. You when somebody don't really find your story funny. When they, That's funny. Yeah, I say that a lot to you, don't I? Yeah, I see what you mean about Buddy. <laughs> He's like, I can't make myself like that story. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, though. <clears throat> I got choked up with it. You got all choked up. <laughs> you, see that? you okay? Oh, you all right? Man, me, it hit you, didn't it? It gets me deep. It hit you hard. It gets me real hard, yeah. <laughs> you think you having a heart attack, Marty? <laughs> don't, don't tell Buddy that. He'll leave. <laughs> don't, say, but don't say anything about somebody having a heart attack. Okay, well, bye, y'all. <laughs> See you later, Frank. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> no, no. take me through, just real as briefly as you can, take me through what mm. happens from from point A to point complete. From a, as, as a producer, I just so the people listening know what that means. Well, you know, we get the songs together. Uh, uh, which means you hear a bunch of songs, you fit, you find out well, which ones are going to go on the record. Yeah. How it. much say-so do you have in Kenny Chesney's albums? You, you Are you the final? No, Kenny is. Kenny's the final? But yes, you're the absolutely. One that... uh, he and I just happen to pretty much like the same things when it comes to songs you know it's uh we've never since uh i forgot what year we started working together 96 maybe 95 we've never had a disagreement on a song you've never taken him a song him saying no i don't remember oh yeah yeah we've done that but i mean there's never been a place where if it was good he didn't think it was good you know right you know i mean we just we like the same kind of songs. It doesn't matter what style they are, if they're good, you know. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, we you know you gather up the songs, and then uh, it's up to up to me to put the band together. You know, hire musicians for however many days we're working, and and you know just cut a great track and get good vocals and not that big a deal so in the studio once you get to the studio what is the producer telling the band at that point or what why what's the producer's role in the studio Uh, everybody everybody's different you know Uh, with me i prefer to uh to not have a full-blown demo on a song for the most part i mean if there's if there's some obvious licks that are written into the song that need to be there that's a different story but i'd rather just go in with a guitar vocal and a, or a piano vocal and you know I, I hire guys to play on the session who i love to hear play and i like to do different combinations you know not use the same people all the time and mix it up and just throw them a song they've never heard before and see what they do to it you know right. i'm that, that I, I work that way more than i don't go in usually with preconceived ideas and i'm I, the same way i like for it to happen there's a lot of people with everybody's who, collective creative juices going right and, and a lot of people i'm the same way and, and a lot of people actually do it like that like I, i'm not gonna mention any names but i've got you know people that i've done demos with where they go in it's a different demo is a different thing but you go in and and they have you know they're like i want you to play this and i want you to play i'm like how about let's just wait and see 
yeah. see what these guys do first and then come back and put in the stuff we want and see if it, you know. It's just, you know, I think everybody who's producing a piece of music does it different, you know. Yeah. Like Billy Sherrill, the producer Billy Sherrill, I mean, he his that's a different thing because he was a different guy, you know. He mm-hmm. he heard he heard all these dynamic things uh that he wanted he knew he knew in advance what the record was going to sound like right you know, i don't i go in there and have no idea what the track's gonna what it's gonna be like at the end of the day right but i i like it like that hmm. yeah. that's interesting so when you when you're in the, the studio and you hear say don't blink right y'all are cutting that do you does the producer you as a producer do you then go well we need a little we need some uh fiddle right here we need some some padding in the keys right here and does that is that what a producer does or or do they not do that type of thing yeah you know if if you're not getting you know with me if i'm not getting what i think we need then then it's time for me to see what's in my brain you know i got you but i i rely on the combination of the people in the room to and that's a big people don't realize is who the musicians you get for certain tracks and certain people are, are like hugely important yeah. because you you get to know the musicians and how they play and and you know i i'll do a session and i'm like you know what i need to i want to get moot I can hear Moose Brown on this, and and uh, maybe this person, uh, Chris Lusinger on the guitar, mm-hmm. and 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 you you know you, you learn the musicians, and and you can you actually can control your sound through who you're using. That's right. And yeah. sometimes you know you might end up with the wrong wrong people for oh, a yeah. particular song, and if that happens, then. And, and I'm not happy with it, or the artist isn't happy. Then we, and we love the song, and we just try it again on a different day, you know. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I, I I have albums, but I never have had a producer, so I don't know what a producer actually does. Well, I just I guess I produce my own albums. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know what a producer does. Is what I'm saying. Chris is talking about how he's he does it, and I'm just like, well, I don't know what. I guess that's what I do to my own stuff because I, you know what I mean? Because I don't want, I don't really want anybody's opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, you're, you're your own producer then. Yeah. That's what I was and trying I, to figure out yeah. what, a, what, a, what an actual, the job is that to do. I guess that's what it is. I'm, I'm the writer and producer. You, Willie Nelson or Kenny Chesney, who do you like more? I like them both. Who do you like I, more, I love, buddy? I love both of them. Buddy, which one do you like more? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to answer that. Well, we're putting up what we're going to do in this episode is I'm going to have I'm going to say Willie Nelson or Kenny Chesney who you like more, and I'm going to have my voice come in and answer for you. Go Willie Nelson, <laughs> <laughs> just like that, and then that's going to be the yeah. title. Buddy Cannon loves Willie more than Kenny. <laughs> yeah, that's all it's going to yeah, say. That's all it's going to say. Right. The title. Kenny will go along with that. <laughs> he loves Willie too. Yeah, he wouldn't mind it, would he? No. Uh, well, then I'm going to change that to Kenny then. Oh, Willie damn sure <laughs> won't mind. You once said that Willie will sing on anybody's songs. Yeah. I got a polka song 
<laughs> that I need Willie on. Can I can I get you to pass that along to you, him? You can let me listen to it. No, now I don't want you. You don't I, like my I can't guarantee anything. Well, you know, Willie signed my guitar. Willie and Micah Nelson signed my guitar. So, you know, I know them personally. <laughs> they're, they're like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to go, you know what, buddy? I'm just skipping you. I'm taking the polka straight to Willie. <laughs> yeah. And me and Willie, we're poking. Yeah. And you're going to look back, buddy, and you're going to be like, I wish I'd have said I had, had my name on that. Yeah, I probably will. No, you will, buddy. Yeah. Buddy, look at man. <laughs> man, buddy, say you will. I can just see it right now. Polka Willie. Polka. <laughs> he, he probably never has done a polka album. Well, he, I don't think uh, he has. I, he shouldn't. You know, Bill Bill Anderson was hanging out with us in the studio one day, and uh, and uh, he said, he, "Bill said, Willie, how come you've never sung on one of my records?" And Willie says, "You never asked me." Is he really like that? Like if, you, if anybody asked him? Yeah, he says, you never asked me. And he said, well, I've got this. I forgot what the song was. He said, I got a track cut on it. You, would you mind singing on it? He said, Willie said, well, yeah. He said, uh, I did a thing for Frank Zappa last week. I'm back to the A's. Frank Zappa. Yeah. Back, back to the said, A's I'm back again. back to the A's. Yeah. <laughs> he also did a song with Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you. I think you wrote that song. Yeah, I was. I, Roll me up and smoke me. Wrote you wrote that, that, didn't you? Yeah, you yeah. son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a funny, funny uh, story about Willie and Snoop Dogg. Willie was playing some gigs in Amsterdam, and they were in a hotel over there, and and uh, Snoop called him up and told him he had a song he wanted him to sing on Willie said well okay he said I'm over here in Amsterdam with a few days off and Snoop said well I'll be there <laughs> so he's in LA and he he gets on a plane and flies to Amsterdam and uh, they go in a studio somewhere over there Mickey Raphael was oh, wow. was with him you know and uh, they do you know do, Willie sings on the song and uh they get so stoned that uh, they both leave and leave the hard drive at the studio in Amsterdam. Oh, no. You know, and they both leave the country. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so they had to get the the hard drive shipped back to them. Golly. <laughs> Man. That's why Toby Keith said, I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. <laughs> yeah. Did you write that one too? No. Did you produce that? No, that was Toby and uh, James Stroud produced it. I think. Do you uh, do you smoke weed? Me? Yeah, I have. Did you smoke with Willie? <laughs> I have. Did it knock you out? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Yes. <laughs> that was the second time I tied myself up. You know, the first time I ever smoked with Willie was back when I was with the. Uh, still with Mel, and uh, Mel owned a radio station in Amarillo, and he, you know, they do those radio appreciation shows where they get people come in and play for nothing, right, right. give tickets away. So Mel put on one of those shows, and he got got w Willie to come in and, uh, and be one of the guests. So we're at this Coliseum in Amarillo, 
I never had met Willie. And a songwriter friend of mine named Buzz Rabin, uh, we were hanging out, and he said, hey, man, there comes Willie. He says, you want to smoke a joint with him? I said, yeah, heck yeah. So he calls him over there, and uh, Willie says, yeah, let's, where are we going to go? <laughs> and uh, so we start walking through the corridor of that, that Coliseum, and every door we pass, we see if it's unlocked, you know. So we finally find one that's unlocked, and it's a broom closet. <laughs> so we go, me and Willie and Buzz, we get in that broom closet and hot box it. Burn one. Y'all was, was the original hot boxers. I guess. You know what that is? <laughs> hot boxing is when you get a bunch of people smoking a joint in a small, confined space with no ventilation. That's Willie's bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it says that on the yeah. side. Uh, yeah. Hot it's box. the hot box. Yeah. A song that you, I believe you wrote with Willie, which I really like, is called Come On Back Jesus. Yeah. Now, it says, I don't really understand what it's about. Me either. But <laughs> I like it because it mentions Jesus, and I love Jesus. Yeah. But it says, come on back, Jesus, and grab John Wayne on the way. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Is it, a, is it about well, John Wayne John, fighting spirits? John Wayne, uh, the, the song's about uh, people, you know, who are kind of lackluster and uh and their po maybe political beliefs or, right, right. or whatever and he the, <laughs> willie came up with that and he, I, I think he's just saying uh come on back jesus and bring john wayne so he can whip these guys ass back into shape right right you know i think it's oh, kind of what the yeah. song's saying i see i got it now also real quick you produced sammy kershaw's biggest songs right we, uh, I was just Nora Wilson and I produced Sammy's first four or five albums. Yeah. Is it true that Sammy Kershaw, Sammy Kershaw kept and gathered his sweat to make perfume for women out of that actually happened? Did you ever see, was there people there that would gather his underarm sweat Rags and, and squeeze them out. I don't into know it. what that process was. We'll I, make it up. Well, I remember. I remember when all that went <laughs> on, and they it, like he would do. They had like these absorbent pads when you go do. And I'm serious. They would go do a concert when he would go do a concert. They had these absorbent pads oh, under his man, arms and stuff. So crazy. <laughs> hey, and, man. You gotta do. You do what oh, you gotta do. Buddy's like, hey man, I still got a bottle of it. I, <laughs> I love this stuff. I was working. <laughs> it's just something about you it. You know, I was producing Sammy at the time. All that was going on, and uh, <laughs> uh, that's one I never understood. But uh, hey, whatever. I'd like to get a bottle of that just to have Sammy Sweat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sammy Sweat. Get you <laughs> sweating with Sammy. Sweating yeah. with Sammy. Have you ever had an intimate moment <laughs> where you thought, I'd like some Sammy Kershaw sweat right now? <laughs> you know, now he, you could have it. You know, he was with my first cut in the USA. Well, it's him and Lori Morgan. Uh, Lori Morgan, Sammy was my first cut. What's my, that was my first record that I ever produced. Really? Yeah. Was C uh, Cadillac style. That was his biggest record, too, wasn't that it? That was the. Uh, it was. Are you I'm, talking about their duet record? 
No, no, the Sammy's solo. Oh, career. okay. Yeah, he had what was the, the the big song? The beer big song was on there. It was a uh, what was that song? Cadillac style. Oh, Cadillac style. Yeah. Well, there was another one though on that. Yeah, we had, everything we put out there for a while. Sammy Kershaw was yeah, oh, yeah. a huge because I, I had that album right there, and I remember Cadillac style, and then it was a uh, what was that other song, man? He had one. Uh, the, the name of the second album was uh, "Don't Go Near the Water." Yeah, that I remember a, that. That was a hit. Uh, we did the uh, "Don't Go Near the Water." Queen, Queen of My Double Wide Trailer. I love yeah, that that's one. A good one. You know? Man, he had a lot of songs. The Charlie Daniels of the Torque Ranch. Yeah, that's Den- <laughs> Dennis Lindy song. Man. Well, buddy, we appreciate you coming out. We don't want to keep you too much longer. Your, I think your uh, wife, Billy, she just left you. Well, uh, I think she might have thought you was maybe having some heart trouble. Right? <laughs> so, I don't know. Man, anyway, it you've was, always uh, been a class act. Until buddy. today. Low class. Low, well, I didn't say which class. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say, you yeah. know. No, it's been fun, guys. Oh, heck yeah. Thank you so much for coming out. Yeah. We appreciate you uh, getting your clothes on and. Come on over. <laughs> on a Saturday, even. Oh, I know. On a Saturday. We didn't even gift you any food. You, Man. You want a, you want a uh, sip of Chris's water? No, I'm too, I'm too hungry. <laughs> You're too hungry. <laughs> too hungry to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> well, before you go, we'd like to you tie yourself to one of these chairs. <laughs> uh, I gave that up. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. Uh-huh. Well, the last thing we do is we call it an unbelievable fact. It's yeah. a true thing that seems unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You ready? Sure. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. In the 1980s, phones in the shape of Garfield the cat began washing up on a shore in France. Mm. No one knew where they were coming from until 35 years into the mystery a farmer found a container that had apparently been hit by a storm and relocated into a sea cave where no one ever really goes. The container was full of Garfield phones. They should rename that beach to like Garfield Bay or something. Wow. Isn't that crazy? As I said before, I hate cats. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, yeah. They destroy beaches. Yeah. yeah. You're not a Garfield fan. No. Man. No Heathcliff. No. None of that. No. No cat in the hat. them. Uh, I hate cats so much, I don't even like dogs. You don't like dogs? Because <laughs> they hang around. I mean, yeah. you know. They smell the, cats. What animal do you like? A bird? You look like a bird guy. Yeah, I like birds that are going away. You don't like any pets, it seems like. Do you have any birds that are flying? Like, no, no. You're not, a, you're not much of an animal guy, huh? No. You just hate all animals. <laughs> That's that's the title, man. That's that's the Hates animals. Award-winning producer hates animals. Hater of animals. Hater, Hater of, of animals. animals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you, buddy. That's why you produce. You're producing this show now. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate you, buddy. It's been a dream and an honor to meet you. And I got some songs I'm gonna send to you. Some polka ones. Uh, yeah. And I want you to. Hopefully, one of them will make you go. You know, true polka songs only last for ten seconds. And that's okay. Yeah. That's all I need you to listen so to. So don't send seconds. me anything longer than 10 seconds. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> but it'll be a lot of songs on one track. Which is actually nine seconds more than a lot of songs I send him. He listens to about That's nine right. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He can't make himself listen to more. Yeah, no. Yeah. Said, I can't I can't make myself like this. Anyway, so. buddy, uh, I wish you'd be my cousin now. 
Well, will you? I'll have to check with my attorney. Well, I'll get the paperwork started anyway. I ask everybody that comes on the show if they'll be my cousin, and I tell people they are whether they want to or not. All right. Okay, cousin? Yes, sir. All right, cousin Billy. Uh, Billy. Billy, yeah, cousin Billy. Yeah. Uh, how quickly oh, man. they forget. Yeah. <laughs> no, right? It's your name, Billy. <laughs> Billy Gibbons, yeah. Okay, cousin Billy. <laughs> We're tight. <laughs> we tie each other up all the time, boy. You don't know us. Dang. All right. Well, I got to get out of here before my brain shuts off. All right. Well, thank you, buddy, for being right. on. Thank y'all. Appreciate you, buddy. You all right, Ben. It's over. Ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. <laughs>